Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. <laughs> got a big dream board with like it's just broken got Tom Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. Let's talk Bills. I am your host, Graham, and again am joined by co-host Eric. How you doing, dude? Doing fine, Graham. Feeling good after a big, scary win from this weekend, yeah? Yeah, breathing a sigh of relief after that one. Um, this would be a very different feeling if they had lost that game. Two and two, and losing to two AFC opponents that you're probably going to be in a fight with at the end of the regular season would just be an awful way to feel right now. But they pulled it off, and so they're in a pretty good spot. Three and one, beat the Ravens, who are like a playoff contender probably. That's a good tiebreaker to have. Pretty exciting win. Yeah, ended that miserable streak of losing uh, one-score games, right? Yeah, what right. What was that streak at? It was seven. Seven, seven straight one-score games they had lost. That's crazy. And that's over. So I guess they can win close games. Who I knows? guess they can indeed. And your your dude, man, I mean, we'll talk about it probably in a second, but Harbaugh, what a boneheaded decision that Ooh, guy Okay, made, yeah, huh? I, I wanted to ask you about whether or not you felt like it was a boneheaded decision because that's pretty much all anybody was talking about after this right, game. Is like right. Some people were like, that's absolutely the right call. You do that every time, and then some people are like, what a stupid person. So, yeah, we should definitely get into that. Um, before we dive into the, the whole game start to finish and break it down a little bit, I just want to point out, that it is now confirmed. Leslie Frazier is Lamar Jackson's Jackson's daddy. He owns him. <laughs> Every time they play, slaughters Lamar. I've got two columns of stats here for you um, that I just want to read off briefly. The Bills have played the Ravens three times with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. And I'm going to read you Lamar Jackson's career numbers against every other team in the NFL. And then I'll tell you his numbers against the Bills. It's three games. Pretty good sample size, right? Yeah, I would say so. His record against teams that are not the Bills is 38-16. and 16. It's been pretty dominant. Make the playoffs just about every season. For a guy who's won the MVP, he doesn't pass for a lot of yards. What would you say his pass yards per game are? Against the Bills, specifically? No, just average numbers. Oh, I would say like in the 200s. Even when he won his 180. Whoa, damn. I was going to say even when he won. He had like 3,000-something, right, when he threw 36 touchdowns or whatever. So he throws TDs, but he doesn't throw for yardage. He's always right. running for those yards. Short yards. Um, and to your point about touchdowns, he's got a touchdown and a half per game over the course of his career against teams that are not the Bills as well. Hmm. Rush yards, 67 yards per game against teams not named the Bills, which is high for a quarterback. Um, remember some of those games he's going for like 150 other games he's sitting in the pocket more and he throws about half a pick per game scores 28 points per game that's Lamar Jackson against teams in the NFL that are not named the Bills now Lamar Jackson versus the Bills in three games against the Bills he does have a win that was in 2019 he's lost twice one was a playoff game averaging 150 pass yards per game 
49 rush yards per game, over a pick per game, and only 16 points per game. Oh. So cutting the points per game almost in half of what his average is and decreasing his rush yards, pass yards, points, touchdowns, all of that per game while increasing picks per game. He's a pedestrian quarterback against the Bills, and he's a former MVP. And I've said it before. It's weird you say that. Now I can say it again. The Bills own him. Yeah. Well, to be, I mean, to be fully honest, when you first started, you know, honking about these numbers, I immediately thought back to 2018 when the uh, Ravens just steamrolled the Bills, and then I was like, wait, wasn't Lamar <laughs> in the league by then? But that was Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco played that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's not a Lamar game. What also was wasn't a Josh Allen three? game until yeah. the second half. I think they did put Josh in in that game. Is that did yeah. they start Tool? No. No, Jet uh, was a long Peterman. time ago. Uh, Nathan Peterman. Peterman. Right, right, right. right yeah. Right, right. Um, one more number I want to throw at you is that Lamar Jackson has never scored a rushing touchdown against the Buffalo Bills. Wow. Which is his trademark trait running the ball. And he doesn't yeah. run well against the Bills. He doesn't score against the Bills. He throws picks against the Bills, and they don't score points against the Bills. So, damn, Bills know something the rest of the league doesn't. Yeah, yep, for sure. I guess uh, Leslie Frazier has the secret sauce on Lamar Jackson. But, I mean, watching the first half, I thought Lamar Jackson was going to throw for 300, run for 100, and at least a touchdown. It was like... Everything was going their way in the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of this game. Well, basically what it was is it was like that Miami game was horrible, right? The heat and all that, and the Bills were just shooting themselves in the foot left and right, and then they couldn't get out of their own way and lost the game. And then they just continued unloading the chamber into their own feet until halftime of this game. <laughs> and then yeah, they broke out of it and finished off with a great second half. Um, but the first half was like all the points the Ravens were scoring. I mean, they did have one good drive, but the first touchdown they scored, they get the ball because of a fumble right on the Bills, I don't know, 15, 20-yard line or something like that. So you're handing them points. It it was all turnovers and drops and fumbles and picks. That uh, It was just self-inflicted wounds. And if the way to beat the Bills is by forcing them to beat themselves, and that's the only way to beat the Bills – and the Bills are probably one of the best teams in the league. So it seems like the book on how to beat them is just like give them heat stroke and make them delirious <laughs> or or force them to, to play in the rain and have bad drops or whatever. So I'm not really worried about the Bills right now. They do have some injuries, but it seems like they've kind of found a way to right the ship by the second half of this game. Well said. Well said. Uh, speaking of those injuries, the one to Isaiah McKenzie looked scary but you said that he's back at practice today yeah expected to practice today which is wednesday the fifth um it was a report that came out before practice started that isaiah mckenzie is expected to be practicing in addition to uh ed oliver jordan phillips that are supposed to be out there um and the one i don't know anything about is uh trey white because he could come back now right oh yeah yeah yeah. His, four games is up yeah so he's no longer on IR um, if they want to bring him back. And they're el right. eligible to do that at this point. So no word on if that's happening yet. They're definitely probably going to play that one 
pretty cautiously. Um, but some good news on the injury front there because obviously it's been mostly bad news from the beginning of the season to now in terms of those. Sure, sure. So in terms of what stood out to you against the Ravens and Bills or against the Ravens, Graham, what did you love from this Bills squad? Uh, the defense was phenomenal. Oh my Again, God, yeah. totally shut down the Ravens, especially in the second half. It is a little bit deceiving because they shut them out, um, but the Ravens easily could have had three points if they wanted it at the end of the game there. So, you know, we get credit for the shutout in the second half. But that last drive, the Ravens moved the ball. They went down the field. They got right down to the goal line and uh, could have taken three points there. But everywhere else, the Bills D played excellent football, um, especially, again, the linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, outstanding. Jordan Poyer coming through with two clutch oh picks God, in yeah. the second half. The first one that the Bills couldn't even convert on, which was very frustrating to me. They didn't get any points off the first one. Uh, but the second one gives the Bills the win, essentially. Gives the Bills the opportunity to go down the field and win the game. So Poyer played lights out. And Kyrie Elam played really well, too. And you don't notice a lot of the stuff that's going on in the secondary. But Mark Andrews, barely in this game. And that's basically how you know how well the Bills did against the Ravens offense. Because Mark Andrews was absent. Sure, sure. And one of the things that, I mean, you mentioned how well the linebackers played. Matt Milano, it looked like he did have an opportunity for that one pick. Um, I think it was in the second quarter, right? Where he goes up for a weird, errant Lamar Jackson pass and Mark Andrews just uh, looms over the back of him, is able to tap it back with Devin Duvernay grabbing it before stepping out on the sideline. That was a weird, weird play, but I thought Matt Milano was going to have an interception there. You mentioned Jordan Poyer. I loved what he did on the second interception where he, I think he was involved in rushing Lamar Jackson, putting pressure on Lamar Jackson, and then just being in the perfect position when the ball got tipped up to grab that interception. Um, maybe Jermaine Edmonds can learn a thing or two about situational awareness from him, but <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you can be too hard on uh, Jermaine Edmonds. He's been no, excellent. no. He had a great game. He had yeah. a great game. But I, I'm just still thinking. I, I, I want to see more splash plays from him. I want to see him put it together and, you know, uh, bring his his awareness to the level of his athleticism. The first pick is the one you just described with the tipped pass at the line. Um, Poyer's second pick is the game clincher in the end zone, basically sort of a game clincher gives the bills the opportunity oh, yeah, yeah. to go to You're steal right. the game. You're right. But that was an unbelievable grab because Lamar throws the ball. And because of the way that the camera angle is, well, that was a terrible throw. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, but he was in trouble, right? Every member of the bills, yeah. defensive line beat their man there and immediately yeah. just hustled after Lamar. And he's backpedaling, sure. backpedaling, yeah. backpedaling. Like you don't have a lot of opportunities to, to make a play there when you're backpedaling to the right sideline, you just have to go after that corner. That's pretty much it. And if yeah. it's not there, it's not there. So you give credit there to like Shaq Lawson, who just torched his man and immediately got after Lamar Jackson and the rest of the D line. They were all over him. Right, right. Yeah. Ravens offensive line just completely manhandled in the second half, it felt like. Um, but yeah, my first reaction, I should take a step back. My first reaction is 
Lamar Jackson, you're an MVP candidate. What are you doing throwing that ball? But it was on fourth down and it was game on the line. My biggest issue for that reason is why they, he was put in that position. Um, I'm not complaining because it ended up with the Bills getting the W, but this is where I think it is safe to question Jim Har- or John Harbaugh's aggressiveness in this case. So you asked me before, would I have gone for the touchdown? No, I would not have. I would have gone with three points. What about you? I don't know what I would have done in that moment, but I do know when they decided to go for it, that made me nervous. Okay. I wish they had kicked it. And so if I have that instinct, that sort of indicates to me that the scarier of the two decisions is them deciding to go for it in my mind, because I thought they well, were the scarier, a touchdown. Well, yeah. I mean, the scarier of the two decisions is them scoring a touchdown in general, right? Because then you got to come back and score seven points in response. But... Like at that point, your team has not scored in the second half. You've been shut out in the second half. And why do you think all of a sudden that's going to change just because it's right at the goal line? I I, I don't agree with that. I think that you take the guaranteed points with Mr. Automatic, Justin Tucker, and you give yourself the chance to at least play this game to a tie, if not win it outright. I think the right decision was to go for it there, but I certainly understand criticizing him because of the way that it turned out. But if he goes for it and gets it, like you're not going to come on this podcast and point out that the Ravens won, but he made a stupid decision there, right? No one would have remembered. I think it was the great, I think it was the right decision to go for it there. But the really unfortunate part about it for the Ravens is that you're thinking when you're making that decision, all right, there's going to be like what? two, two and a half minutes for the Bills offense to go down the field. And even if we don't get it here, that's fine. They'll have to start from their own end zone. But then Lamar throws a pick. So we get it at the 20. And that changes the whole decision-making process, right? So if John Harbaugh were were to know, if I don't get this, the Bills are going to start with it at the 20. Well, that that plays into it, I would say. And maybe you take the points there. You don't think that you're going to knock at the touchdown and turn the ball over. And they're going to get to start with it at the 20-yard line. Like all of that went against the Ravens there. So I just think that the way that it played out gives everyone the opportunity to kind of, you know, pile on Harbaugh. But I was afraid when in that moment that they made that decision. Defending your man. <laughs> I, that was the scarier decision. I thought, all right, I hope they kick the field goal here because if they kick the field goal, we can easily go down, score a touchdown. Offense has been doing their thing in the second half. We've been getting into scoring position on pretty much every drive. So fine, give them the three points. And I was excited about it, too, because I thought they were getting in the end zone on second down. Milano comes around that edge and just nails J.K. Dobbins for a loss. That was the huge play on that series at the goal line. Was second down, they run it, Milano buries Dobbins in the backfield. And then on third, they don't get it done, so they're forced to do this on fourth down. I thought they were just going to take the three, and when they didn't, I was scared. So I think that that was the right move, but worked out for the Bills. So... It's interesting because you said in the moment you got more scared that they were going to go for it. I immediately, when they lined up, my thought was like, what are you doing? Kind of like, I can't believe this is happening. I was not scared really. I mean, I was scared, but I wasn't too nervous about it because like I had said, their offense just stalled the second half entirely. And so for that reason, I, I understand your point. You know, it's easy to judge. Harbaugh based on how it all turned out. But even in the moment, I was thinking, oh, you got to kick this. You got Justin Tucker, man. 
But I wonder what most Bills fans thought in that situation, because I remember hearing, I think it was on the Ringer football podcast, they said, like, basically, offensive coordinators should be thinking about what the opposing fans do not want them to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then do that thing. Yeah. And so I wonder if most Bills fans say, yeah, they would be they were more afraid that the Ravens were going for it then. Yeah, I was. I was afraid they would go for it. And when they went for it, I was thinking, crap, this is going to make it really hard for us. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like I'm conservative in those. I would be very conservative in that type of situation. And especially because, like I had said, just the offense had did nothing at that point. It was like, yeah, everything that could have gone wrong for them did. You mentioned the huge stop. I think it was on second down with Matt Milano. Uh, stuffing J.K. Dobbins, and then third down was weird, right? Because Lamar Jackson just looked like he stumbled, kind of. Yep. So we got yeah, it was just kind of like Murphy's Law, and I was okay. I would just go for the field goal. Yeah, if you're a Ravens fan right now, you got to be pretty furious. And how about the Ravens' schedule, yeah. having to start with the entire AFC East? They open with Jets, <laughs> Dolphins, Patriots, Bills. That's pretty strange. It is. But it's lucky for them though, because they face. Basically, they faced the Jets, which is not a bad matchup at all. And then New England has just been a mess for the most part outside of this week. A very feisty game against the Packers. Yeah, with a backup quarterback. Strange. But Ravens have a great first half in both of these games against the Dolphins and the Bills and then just completely blow it in the second half. So something's going on there. Um, the Ravens bad do look coaching. like a dangerous team. <laughs> Maybe it's bad coaching. Maybe Harbaugh's lost a step. Maybe it's Lamar coming out of the gate with fancy tricks. He's put on a couple pounds. He's ready for the first few games, and then everybody figures him out, and the rest of the season kind of starts to tumble downhill. We'll see what happens. But um, I still am liking picking the Bengals to win the AFC North. Yeah, that pick is looking a little bit better now for both of us, especially because the Bengals seem to have found their their you know center of gravity once again after just a miserable start. Right. Anything else about this game that stands out to you? Uh, good to see Khalil Shakir out there and contributing. Baby he had legs. two really nice catches, I thought. <laughs> he did, yeah. Ah, damn. One was a nice screen, and another one was a pretty key Josh scrambling, looking for somebody, Dude, finds him on amazing. the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was an amazing play by Josh, but that was an equally impressive catch to tiptoe that on the sideline, it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to, I think, have to get in the action this week uh, because the Bills are a little banged up at receiver. Right. And that situation's not really improving. So uh, he's going to keep getting his chances. Uh, one negative yeah. I want to point out James Cook does does not want to play in the NFL. He is doing everything he <laughs> yeah. can to get benched, cut, traded. <laughs> I mean, this guy, he can't catch a break. He he is only disappointed every time he's stepped out on the field. Yeah. Well, no, he had was it against was it against the Dolphins? He had a nice run to or no, it was no, against the Titans, right? In At the, the end of the game, quarter. he's kind of freezing the game. Yeah, but still, it's yeah, a nice it's run. Gotta give him some credit. It's against NFL players. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right, though. That was just another brutal drop. Speaking of drops, though, Gabe Davis, man. Yeah. And he is not having the breakout season that we had anticipated. His first game was. And then after that, he's had this ankle injury, which obviously is hurting his ability to get separation. But the drops are so frustrating. It's like if he doesn't have that extra 
six inches of separation, he can't sustain the hit that he's about to take and hold the ball. So so it's been a tough stretch for him. We need him to get healthy and get down the field and start stretching defenses because like you saw in this game, Diggs was not a huge part of things. If he's the only threat on offense, it's hard for the Bills to get him the production that he really should be getting. Sure. Diggs has 62 yards. Only four receptions on the whole day. Great catches, though. Yeah, he had a couple. He had one one drop um, that was frustrating, but one really nice catch in the rain right after the announcers were just like, it's going to be really hard for anyone to hold on to the ball in this rain. And then a nice throw from Josh that kind of threaded the needle and Diggs hung on to it. So he's important. But really, the passing game has not been what it was over those first two weeks, which was just like unstoppable, throwing it wherever they want. It's been a little tougher, and I think that, like you said, Gabe Davis getting healthy is is a big part of that. Right. Okay. Well, got nothing to add to this game. You want to move on to our looking ahead? Sure. Big game coming up this week. Um, Huge. Be going up to the Ralph to see this rematch from last year's home opener against the Steelers. Not quite the same vibe that there was last year the Steelers just even last year they didn't seem threatening but this year oh boy this is a team that has no prayer of the playoffs absolutely gonna destroy Mike Tomlin's never been below 500 record they're starting a rookie quarterback this week against the Bills and somebody was I think think I saw that their next four games are like Bills Chiefs Dolphins it's like four really good teams in a row um, the Bills, then Tampa, then Miami, and then Philly. Oh, okay. Tampa, right? Not Chiefs. Yeah, that's a rough stretch. <laughs> that is a rough stretch. So this uh, Kenny Pickett, he's going to be going through the gauntlet uh, this week up in Buffalo. To be fair, though, I mean, yeah, Kenny Pickett's got a sort of bad hand to deal with here, but he could not be worse than Mitch Trubisky. Mitch God love him. He was a great backup to Josh last season. I mean, not so great, but great. But he has just looked brutal this season. And with that receiving core in, in Pittsburgh, as bad as their the rest of their team is, he should still be able to get it done with receivers like that. And he just hasn't been able to do it. So, Kenneth Pickett, it is your time. Yeah, Mitchell Trubisky through four games has two touchdowns and two picks. Um, a completion percentage of under 60%. It's not been good for for Mitch Trubisky, but the Steelers are not the team they used to be. They've got a couple weapons on offense, but their defense is totally depleted. Um, So maybe we should get into talking about the Bills' keys to the game here and uh, what they're going to have to do to... I'm not even going to say win this game because they're going to win this game. What do they have to do to beat the Ooh. spread, which is 14 points? Dude, you're you're freaking me out here. I mean, like, I get it. The spread is, yeah, as you just mentioned, 14 points, and the Bills are riding high off a big last-minute victory against a, a uh, AFC contender. But as bad as these Steelers have looked, I think anything really is on the table when you have – your first round quarterback starting his first game. He could be absolutely brutal and he probably will be right. That's chances are that this is going to be an absolute uh, uh, bad showing for Kenny Pickett, but 
he could also be completely electric and you know the bills have not been able to prepare for him they don't have any tape on him they don't know what's what it's going to look like what that Steelers offense is going to look like with him Kenny Pickett very mobile quarterback he scored I mean he scored two touchdowns on the ground in his debut I think he might be the only quarterback to ever do that he did have three interceptions yeah what the heck i was not waiting great. for you to, to stop talking so he i did could point that out but you he got did me. have three yeah it's he did have jets. three interceptions against the jets the jets defense though this is gonna be me kind of building them up here but they've been frisky this season i would say and so i think anything is on the table against these steelers and i would be hesitant to guarantee a win here for the bills boy if if you can't pick a win against a Steelers team that has key injuries few weapons on the defensive side of the ball a rookie quarterback who just threw three picks in at New York uh, at the New York Jets um, if you can't pick a, a win over that is there a team in the NFL right now that if the bills were about to play them you would guarantee they would win uh yeah, yeah, of course. Well, guarantee. Uh, if I had to bet my life on it, I think I would only say the Texans, maybe. Really? If I They're had to pick a game, if I had to pick a, a team that I could guarantee the Bills would beat and my life depended on it, I would pick the Texans. All right. Texans have been sort of feisty. They've got a tie. They're not... <laughs> They do oh, have buddy. a tie. They do have a tie <laughs> they may against be the only your, winless team in the NFL, though. A tie against your Indianapolis Colts, Grant. Oh, they screwed me again this week. So you can at least be <laughs> happy. you again. Are you kidding? <laughs> screwed me again, Graham. Well, no, they didn't screw yeah, me. Yeah, they but. got you twice, and then I tried to use them to to rub it yeah. in, but they got me. The Colts yeah. are just super fickle. Um, not at all the team that I thought they would be. I thought they would just dominate the AFC South, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Jaguars kind of running away with the AFC South. (laughs) So anyway, um, let's, uh, let's get into some of the keys to the bills beating the spread in this game. Um, and I'd like to start on defense because the Steelers have kind of been known for like having a stout defense, TJ Watt, really dangerous edge rusher, maybe like the most dangerous at that in the NFL. He's out for the year. He's on injured reserve. He's got a back injury. Don't have to worry about him. And he is basically the reason the Bills lost to them last year in the home opener. Uh, other guy you might say is kind of scary. Minka Fitzpatrick, one of the greatest safeties in the NFL, constantly making plays not only in the secondary, but he's blocking kicks and scoring touchdowns. He's questionable. He's got an injury. Uh, the other safety for the Steelers is Tremaine Edmonds' brother. Is it Terrell? Terrell Edmonds? I believe it is Terrell. Right? Yeah. Yep. He's questionable. The other starting safety and both their starting corners are questionable to play in this game. Uh, actually, one is questionable. One is doubtful, both with injuries. So you're looking at a Steelers defense that has massive injuries all over the place like the Bills, but this is not a team that's got the depth to be able to sustain production while losing those guys. And I do think a lot of these guys will play. You'll probably see Fitzpatrick out there. Um for example, but a lot of injuries and that key one is TJ Watt. So I'm not super concerned about what the bills are going to be able to do to this Steelers defense. Yeah. Fair points, fair points. 
Um, the secondary definitely banged up. The thing that does scare me, though, a little bit is their rush. You got Cam Hayward, who's just always good, um, even without TJ Watt. They have Alex Highsmith, who I think has five sacks on the season already. So he's just been able to sustain pressure every week and, and get it done rushing the passer. This is a game. This is a game, Graham. The game, arguably, where if the running game cannot find life, it's dead. Bury it. Because Steelers linebackers, Devin Bush is a big name, I think, after being a top 10 overall pick. Miles Jack, uh, former former first or second round pick with the Jaguars, who's kind of trying to resuscitate his career in, in Pittsburgh. They got names, but they stink this season. And so if the Bills can't get it done on the ground against the Steelers this week, I don't know what's going on. You're saying if they can't get it done on the ground, then you can just give up on the running game altogether this season? Yeah, just throw 60 times every single week from here on out. Gotcha. For a second, I thought you were saying if they can't establish the run, they're going to lose this game. I don't think that's the case. I think you can probably slaughter these guys by just throwing. But I like your point there. This is a good opportunity for the Bills to get their running backs going. Devin Singletary has pretty much been the only running back they've used in any threatening way. Like I alluded to a minute ago, the Bills keep trying to use James Cook, and they want him to be good, uh, but he just keeps fumbling and dropping passes and doesn't really seem to be interested in playing in the NFL for very much longer. So this is his chance (laughs) to get on the field and make an impact. I think they'll keep trying to play him, but if you keep dropping passes and fumbling, they're not just going to keep giving you chances. Like you, you go on the bench and Zach Moss comes in, and then when he inevitably disappoints, he goes on the bench, and then Devin Singletary has to play three quarters without a break. So... Be good, uh, dude. James Cook has a long leash here. James Cook is a second round draft pick. The pedigree, the pedigree alone, uh, gives him a lot of uh, breathing room, and he brings something, or on paper at least, he brings something that neither of the other two backs have. And that's just electrifying speed and nice hands, which actually motor has no, shown. He's got terrible hands. <laughs> That's what I'm saying on paper. So they're, they're going to think like, this is not the guy we drafted. He's in here somewhere though. You know, it's like a, it's like a girl trying to turn around a bad boy, but everybody thinks that they can change them. Sean McDermott's though. He's not just going to be like, Oh, well, you know, this kid's our little future star. We're just going to hand him the ball 15 times. Like he's been known to, if you fumble, you ride the bench and that's not going to change for some rookie who's done nothing in the NFL, you know? So your first carry of your career, you fumble, you're on the bench. doesn't matter who you are. You know, he's not afraid to, it doesn't matter who you are. They, he didn't even start Kair Elam first round pick. He played Christian Benford week one. So I don't know that the, the pedigree, the draft capital, that thing doesn't hold water or as much water as you might be suggesting. I think if he continues to disappoint, he's just not going to play and he'll be on the team for three years, obviously. So got another shot next year, but so far, it's looking like the offense is just going to do their thing without him. <laughs> I'm not saying that that Sean McDermott is going to spoon feed James Cook just because he was a second round draft pick, but I think he's far from the Belichick esque coach who's just going to like basically send a guy off to Bermuda for fumbling a few times. Um, I don't know, maybe I, it's somewhere. I more do in think. The do you remember Jonas Gray? Probably. Uh, I do remember like that name topic. as like. Okay. Go ahead. Dude ran, dude ran for like 150 yards for the Patriots and then 
had a bad fumble the next game and literally never carried the ball for the rest of the season. Bill Belichick, man, <laughs> unlike any other. If I set the over-under on James Cook touchdowns from now to the end of the regular season at two, would you take the over or the under? I'm going to hammer the over. Hammer okay. the over on two. All right. I'll I'll take... He's getting at least one one catch or one receiving touchdown and i'm saying two receiving touchdowns one rushing touchdown between now and the end of the season yep i say he gets absolutely less than three touchdowns between now and the end of the year less than two though not less than two okay over under at two and a half you take the over uh yeah, I'll take the over. I'll take the under. Okay. We'll see. All right. So we discussed James Cook. That's good. Uh how about, how about the receivers? <laughs> Key to the game. <laughs> um, because you still got Steph Diggs. He's hanging in there. But the Bills last week lost Isaiah McKenzie, like you said, to a concussion, although he is practicing today. Um you don't have Jameson Crowder anymore. That's a big injury, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that is a big injury. What what was he uh, diagnosed with? Broken ankle? I think it's a broken ankle. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he have it in like an air cast after the game and stuff? Yep. Brutal. Um. Yeah. Don't know about Isaiah McKenzie, although he's practicing, so it looks optimistic. I guess. Um. I don't know, man. Gabe Davis, as we spoke about, has not looked like himself. It as well as. Khalil Shakir played in his first game appearance. I think it's a lot to ask of him to sort of fill in completely for, um, yeah, Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder. And Jake Kumaro's on the injury report as well, right? He is. I think he was last week too, um, but he is limited practice. So I I guess I'll just run through here. Um, At the receiver position, you got Jake Kumaro, ankle injury, but – um, he's not practicing today, but I would expect that that was just a rest thing. Jameson Crowder done for the year. Um, Isaiah McKenzie is limited in practice with the concussion. And then you still have Gabe Davis on the injury report as well. So four of your receivers, it's great that the one that's not on there is Steph Diggs, but four of these guys may or may not play. You can count Crowder out. Probably you're, you're probably looking at having to elevate somebody at this point. Um, from the oh practice squad, God. maybe an Isaiah Hodgins could come in and, and show yeah. everybody that he's learned something over the past three years. But That'd yeah, the receiver nice. position is a little bit frustrating right now. Well, it's funny you say that, that, uh, well, I mean, just in general, the fact that we're talking about the receiver position a week after talking about how thin the secondary is or was. Um, we had a question posted to our listeners with our last episode. If you could add any former Bills defensive back to this roster to help out a thin secondary, who would it be? Ooh, great uh, question. Nice answers. Yeah, yeah. Nice job, Phineas. Um, <laughs> we had Spencer Rogers talk about having Stefan Gilmore back, who's playing really well this season with the Colts. No. Yeah, yeah. I don't want Spencer Gilmore Rogers. back. I wouldn't mind having Gilmore back, even though he's a traitor. LOL. And he's soft. Gilmore was so soft. He couldn't make a tackle. Everyone was always talking about how rangy he was and what an elite corner he was, but he was just not willing to 
get dirty and put himself in the line of fire to make a tackle. Damn, put some respect on the man's name. He's got a Defensive Player of the Year award, Graham. <laughs> and he's playing lights out with the Colts. So Next, okay. who else you got? Watch your mouth. What did the other listeners say? Uh, and then we had our good friend Trent with an interesting answer, which brings me to the reason I'm bringing this up with the wide receiver discussion. He said, put Andre Reed at corner. He can come back from anything. Ooh. So, yeah. That would be an interesting uh, move. That would be an interesting, interesting move. To I am going to 50 year old former. He's probably lost former. a step, but yeah, maybe yeah, but but it would be cool to see him out there. Peak Andre Reed. I could see. I think that's what he meant there, but it would be great to see Andre Reed on this. Team, yeah. Though. Yep. So here's a question, Graham live. If you could pick any former bills, defensive back at their prime to come in and help out on offense. What? Ah. Wow. All right. Well, just going off the Trent repass. uh, We're having them switch sides of the ball to help out here. Oh, this is an easy answer for me. Really? Yeah. Terrence McGee all day. Okay. Yeah. Well, the dude was an awesome. He was a good return man, right? yeah, but yeah, I don't awesome return. But I don't know that you want to put him out at wide out or something like that. You know, I was why not almost thinking, well, you need you need somebody with some size. I no man, man, man. You put Terrence McGee in the slot and you just feed him short passes and let him use his uh, moves in the open field, baby. But the Bills are doing the short pass thing. You know, Diggs can do that. Yeah, they've got it. They can, by the way, bring Marquez Stevenson back at this point if they want to. He's got that in his bag of tricks. What they need oh, right yeah. now is somebody going deep. We need a deep threat to stretch the field to help open things up. We can go underneath all day. They 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 can do that. But that element of the game that is there when everybody's healthy, when you got Gabe Davis and Steph Diggs stretching the field, and you've got a slot receiver underneath, whether it's Crowder or Isaiah McKenzie or whoever. It's not the slot receiver position that needs that boost. We need size deep down the field. I mm. almost was thinking so about going picking? with like a like a linebacker to help bolster the running game or something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> get some some meat in there. Get Paul Puzlesny like lead blocking. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I thought you were going to ask me who which defensive back would you like to add to this team like you did to our listeners and I think uh, or like Phineas did how about Jairus Bird because we're down a safety and he was like a, I don't know if he just made the Pro Bowl or if he was like a second team All Pro that year before he left for free agency but he'd be a good to bring back and add to this team in his prime yeah Jairus Bird total ball hawk he was uh, I think uh, second team All Pro that year had a huge what, year. He had like seven interceptions yeah i don't know the exact number but he had a monster year and then he left for i think new orleans yeah yep, he did huge contract too at the time yep that's a good point it, it would be nice to to add another safety to this team but um what are you gonna do we didn't mention the bills signing xavier rhodes last week and bringing him onto the practice squad and then having him immediately suffer. What was it? A hamstring injury. Yeah. <laughs> so that didn't, that didn't work out so experience. Well. Uh, but you know, I am just starting to get to the point where I think that the coaching is so solid and they've got such great depth on defense. Like we keep getting so concerned about the D and they are just amazing. They're so yeah. stinking good. 
with like half their starters, they're setting records. I think that the stat was throughout the whole season so far, they've only given up seven points in the second half of football games. Of yeah, every game. It's insane. It's unbelievable. Right. Yep. So we don't have a whole lot to worry about on defense with these bills. Uh, offense that you mentioned, wide receiver. On the other side of the field, though, the Steelers wide receivers are scary, as I said before. Um, they have probably, in my opinion, I think they have the most talented receiving core in the league. What? You were yep. just saying that about the Dolphins. Uh, well, I'm saying it now again. <laughs> you, no, I mind. said the Dolphins had. I said the Dolphins next week had it's the Chiefs. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said the Dolphins had arguably the top two, right, with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle the way they were playing. Uh, here though, they got three deep, man. They got Deontay Johnson. Uh, I think he's had over a thousand yards receiving several times in his career chase claypool who's just an athletic freak and when he's on he's unstoppable and then george pickens last week had over 100 yards he's a rookie um he did not play most of last season for georgia his his final season of college and when he came back he was awesome in the national championship game and then people were talking about him all summer and he seems to be yeah, making those people look very good right now because he's having a bang-out rookie season so far. Yeah, they've got scary receivers. Um, Chase Claypool has not done much this season. I think he's suffering from he the not. weak quarterback play that the the Steelers have been trying to deal with. But that's the problem here, right, is you do have Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. I think Pat Fryermuth is having a pretty good season at tight end in his second year. Oh, yeah, um, rock solid. But the quarterback being a rookie, being so inexperienced. Again, this guy threw three picks against the Jets last week, not even in a whole game, by the way. It's not even like he started the game and threw three picks. These are three picks in like a half of football. I think that you can have all the great receivers you want. The Bills defensive line is going to get all over this guy, um, and it's going to be a nightmare. So I already love the Bills defense. I think they can handle Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Chase Claypool. But you throw in the fact that the Bills – pass rush is going to just give Kenny now I'm Kenny what Pickens is the receiver Kenny Pickett, Pickett is the quarterback Pickett. yeah Pickens and it Pickett. is confusing <laughs> yeah they're going to give him a really hard time in this game so it's good to point out that those are really talented receivers but it's not something that concerns me in this matchup right now I think Najee Harris um, is a super dangerous running back and he could probably pose some problems for the bills because that's been a thing that's given the bills trouble in the past is managing a talented running back but uh, i think they'll handle it you know they've got talent on the offensive side of the ball but at quarterback they're super weak and that's just gonna be their you know achilles heel oh man all right well i pray to god that you're right but it, this just seems like one of those classic games where everybody's counting out the bills opponent and then they come in and shock everybody yeah, maybe. Especially with such an unknown commodity at quarterback. I mean, you're talking about Kenny Pickett as if he's like, you know, guaranteed to be number 32 out of 32 starting quarterbacks this season. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I don't think anybody does. No, he he completed 75% of his passes last week, which is nice, but he only dropped back 16 Every times. ball he threw was caught, Graham. Every ball he threw was caught. <laughs> nice. That's a good stat, actually. I like that. <laughs> 
cherry picked that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So not a not a great outing for Kenny Pickett, but he's young, and I do not expect Sean McDermott and this coaching staff to lose to a rookie starting his first game in the NFL. I just would be floored by that happening. All right. We shall see. Um, anything else to mention besides, yeah, Bill or the Steelers scary skill positions minus the quarterback, I guess, and their banged up secondary or banged up defense in general? Um, I think that the Bills offensive line is getting healthy, which is helpful. We're hopefully going to get the full starting offensive line back again after all the injuries that took place over the last few weeks. I think Ryan Bates will be back. Um, so that'll be good. Get some consistency up front. And um, as far as the running game goes, I'd like that to be more effective, but I think we're going to get a whole lot of Singletary again. I think they're just going to keep feeding him. I don't think that they need to do anything too differently from what they've been doing. So it's kind of a get-right game. Give people the opportunity right. to just get their catches, get their opportunities, score a ton of points. Hopefully Allen's out of the game by the start of the fourth quarter, and uh, we can all go home happy. Well said, well said. Uh, especially with that get right thing, because this is where I, I want to see the Bills. Uh, ideally, a three-headed monster at the running back position come to life. And uh, you said Motor Singletary carrying the load, sure, but hopefully Zach Moss can can show a little explosion and James Cook just getting his head right in terms of a get right game. Yeah, right now the running back situation not looking so great for Buffalo, but it hasn't mattered too much. So I think we, we neglected again to point out that Josh is unstoppable in many cases. He sort of drove that game. He just did what he needed to do to win it, uh, even in the face of a ton of injuries and a bad situation and being down by 17. He just gets it done. So I think that we've like entered a part of Josh Allen's career where it's going to be almost impossible to just put the bills out of any game. And there's sure. no way he would let a game like this slip through his fingertips again. I know that last year they lost to the Jags and the Colts and those were bad games. I think that that type of a game is just no longer an option for the bills. Yeah, I, I definitely do not see Josh ever having, uh, well, I shouldn't say ever, but I definitely don't see Josh having a stinker against these Steelers. Um, the one thing that Josh has, as you mentioned, just a do-it-all guy right now, the one thing he's added to his repertoire, I don't know if you noticed this, Grant, is uh, the sort of football version of, what do they call it? Uh, what do they call it in basketball where the, the players just like act like they've been injured for a flopping? moment and they go down? <laughs> What's flopping? That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The football version of flopping. Did you see that against, I think it was, what's his name? Brandon Stevens, maybe? Uh, Ravens Ravens def defender coming in and hitting Josh right after Josh let go of the ball. This happened late in the fourth quarter against the Ravens. And Josh throws his head back as if he got like, I don't know, smashed that, in his forehead. That is not new. Josh has been doing that. The entire time, I, he is a flop monster. Never, I, I never noticed oh, that. Oh, man. You got to watch. That was, oh, it's man. Constant. He deserves and, some sort of award and for And on that, that play that you're referencing, I, I watched it out because we can't watch it at the house where we live. So I watched it out at a bar, and everybody's going like, oh, you know, what a flop. That's not a call. And, and I think they're right. That, in my mind, should not be called. I hate the way that these these calls are made. Um you know, pass interference is really frustrating and 
unnecessary roughness, all those. Oh, by the way, I do need to point out another infuriating ref call here while I'm thinking of it, but I'm going to come back to it in just a second. But the Bills get called for that, right? Matt Milano got called for that on his hit on Tua last week, and it was like a light right, after the right. pa- after the pass shoves him. Like the Bills get called for those. So if it's stupid, which it is, but you're going to call it against the Bills, you got to call it for the Bills. So those got to get called, and it's dumb. Um, I want to come back to this pass interference thing. This happened against the Bills in the first half. If a ball is underthrown and is a terrible throw, and the receiver mm. who's running downfield has to turn around, stop, and come back to it, but can't because there's a cornerback right on their heels, that should not be called as pass interference. This is this is constantly happening where you'll have, you know, a receiver take off, doesn't beat the corner, but gets a little bit behind him and is streaking down the field. And then the pass comes, and it's such a terrible pass that the receiver has to turn around and reach for it. But then the corner gets called for pass interference because the guy who's running full speed and turns around at the last second can't get back to it. That, that can't be called pass interference. That's a terrible throw. There's got to be something in the rules that says, if it's a horribly thrown ball, we can't call pass interference on this. You know the situation I'm talking about here? No, I can't think of this situation specifically, but that is a rule, you know, like that, but they consider it to be an uncatchable it gets, ball. It gets called all the time. All you got to do is you need 20 yards, send your receiver streaking down the field. As long as he gets sure, behind the sure. corner, all you got to do is the quarterback is underthrown by 10 yards and the receiver just has to turn around and make it look like he's trying to come back to it. You're going to get the pass interference call every time. And it's stupid. No, I agree. I agree. There's, there's a difference between uncatchable because like, yeah, uh, a quarterback just you know threw it eight feet over the dude's head and that should be considered uncatchable but uncatchable should also be as you're saying the kind of pass where like what is the defender supposed to do make himself completely like uh i don't know like throw himself on the ground so that the receiver can get back to it and stuff it's also one thing if the route that's being run is i'm gonna go up 10 yards put my foot in the ground and cut back and the corner is in the way like that's one thing but these are poorly thrown balls that the receiver is trying to adjust to you got to know as the ref, no, I'm not calling that. But that's the thing about pass interference in general, which so is just subjective. such BS because, yeah, pass interference, completely subjective, and it can really swing the entire momentum of a game because it's a spot foul, right? Like, it should not be the case where a dude just gets to bomb it 50 yards downfield to a receiver, and then just because the receiver can't come back to it, they get like a 50-yard play out of yeah. it. You know what I mean? But happens all the time. You're right. Uh, if they are going to call it, though, they got to call it for the Bills, too. So maybe we got one coming in the next couple weeks here. Hope hope so. Hope we can get those calls because that's typically not been. I'm sure every fan base feels like we never get the calls. <laughs> but that's how I feel about the Bills. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that is a, a nice theme with you. But what's I your uh... I like to just watch you. <laughs> what's rage. your score prediction for the? Ah! <laughs> yeah. Um. Score prediction. My score prediction for this game is, dude, I'm I'm gonna say the 14 point spread is too much here. I'm gonna go 28, 17. No way. The Bills obliterated the Rams, the former Super Bowl champions, obliterated the Titans, and struggled the last two weeks against good defenses with tons and tons of injuries. I just have a weird feeling about this being Kenny Pickett's very first start. 
So I'm going 28-17. Pickett's not like the future Peyton Manning or something like that. He's just a guy. The Bills are going to handle him. Um, he very well could be, but he he could also just come out and you know have swagger for days, which is what they basically what they drafted him for. I think people watched Kenny Pickett in his last year at Pitt and were just like, "This dude." Um, I almost said something bad, but this dude gets it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so they uh, they like his swagger, they like his attitude. He seems like, yeah, he's he's got it all going on uh, from a mental standpoint. He lacks a little bit of arm talent, as we spoke about leading up to the draft. But I don't know, man. I, I feel like he, there's something about this dude. His his first start ever. I'm not going to give him a 14 point or yeah a bills victory by 14 i am i'm going 34 13 okay. bills okay i feel like i maybe talked my way or talked you into giving the steelers a little bit extra there did i not um were you thinking like 34 3 and then maybe you give them an extra touchdown if anything it's just because no no i don't think that i'm more convinced that they're going to be talented i'm not worried about this kenny pickett situation i'm not spending any time thinking about it i think you could sit around and go well i don't know i'm gonna dive into this guy's stats and look at him as a quarterback in college and well he was picked in the first couple rounds of the draft and i think you could do that with anybody and eventually convince yourself that they are not a total pushover i'm just not gonna give it any thought and think this team on paper should get steamrolled by the bills and they will plus you got last year the bills are going to be looking to avenge that horrible home opener that may have cost them home field advantage in the playoffs. It's it's over for the Steelers. It's going to be an embarrassment, I think. All right. We shall see. I mean, I hope so. I hope you're 100% right, but just got a weird feeling about this game. All right. I'm going to come back to that weird feeling because I feel like often people say, got a strange feeling about this one and no one ever comes back after it wasn't weird and it's like hey what about that strange feeling huh everything just went the way it was supposed to go but they (laughs) will bring it up if something weird happens they'll be like i was the one with the strange feeling uh, uh, (laughs) so i'm gonna hold you to this i'm writing it in this sheet you're right you're right and i am strange feeling I have a bad habit, I think, of just like saying things on these podcasts and completely forgetting about them uh, the next week. So good on you for holding me accountable yeah. here. See, Please Matt Milano so. is not a good running back last season or uh, linebacker last season. <laughs> he is not. <laughs> well, a we good don't know that. I was right about that. Yeah. All right. Um, Graham, hold on one second, because I have been trying for the last, mm, I don't know, Four minutes while we're talking to figure out what the hell happened with the ELF championship game. Oh that no! Neither of us were really plugged into. <laughs> Did my Hamburg Sea Devils win it? You know, you'll never guess, Graham. It's really hard to tell <laughs> looking at the European League of Football. You should website. just be able to Google European League of Football Championship. You can't. Well, I would, but um, I'm trying that right now. I, I also tried Hamburg Sea Devils. And then I couldn't remember who they were playing. Uh, they were so, playing one of the expansion teams, right? They were. I think I want to say it was the Vienna Vikings, but I'm not positive. Ooh, okay, here we go. It's on Wikipedia. Maybe that works. <gasps> what do you think, Graham? Hamburg Sea Devils, Vienna Vikings. 
what was they the final freaking, score? I bet Who Hamburg won? choked again. That's classic Hamburg. They made it to the championship again. <laughs> uh, they're my team, and I love them, but they definitely blew it, right? It is classic uh, Hamburg. You're right, baby. The Vikings walloped them. 27 to 15. Expansion Uh team coming in. Your ass is grass. (laughs) Winning the championship. Oh, Cinderella story. Gotta love it. Yeah, good for the Vikings. I think the Vikings, though, they came, I mean, they're not like a new team. They've been, I think, in existence with another league, if I'm not mistaken. And they've just been like destroying it in their league for years. Gotcha. Yeah. What was the score? Good on that. I shouldn't ask. That's another 10 minutes of hunting, probably. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. The Wikipedia page does a very good job of making it easy to see, unlike their website. Uh, Hamburg Sea Devils 15, Vienna Vikings 27. Oh, man. Well, next year's our year. Go Hamburg. Go Hamburg. No, next year's our year. And Fred Armstrong, Freddie Armstrong. If Leipzig even has a team, aren't they like totally... Leipzig Kings fired their coach. They brought on a new one. He's the future of this franchise. And you said they're going to be forced to play in front of like 50,000 next year or something. (laughs) Forced to play. No, don't make us. You get out there. Don't make us play for fans. We can't handle the pressure. Yeah. No. Uh, More like like 500 fans. Yeah, they've got some weird... um, venue stuff going on but freddie armstrong's not there to uh you know pressure the the bundesliga football team into sharing their stadium with them so who knows what's gonna happen in other awesome football news uh ub really had me disappointed for the first few weeks lost to maryland lost to holy cross really embarrassing got beat by coastal carolina but maction has started and in mac play ub is two and oh baby Leading the MAC right now with yeah. a two and zero record, got a big game against Bowling Green this Saturday, um, and Bowling Green has looked tough. They actually have a win against a Big Ten team, I think. I got to remember who that they played. Did yeah, they? Bowling Green oh, played damn. a great. They um, who did they beat that was good? Oh, not a Big Ten team. They beat Marshall in overtime, and Marshall had just beaten. Marshall's amazing. Well, they're not amazing, but. <laughs> Marshall just beat Notre Dame. They have to be amazing if they beat yeah. Notre Dame. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess you can follow the transitive property there. And uh, Bowling Green is better than Notre Dame. And UB plays Bowling Green Oof. this weekend. So if UB beats Bowling Green. Is UB better than Notre then Dame? UB is better than Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll see. Dude, I'm looking at the max standings, though. And yes. UB is at the top 2-0 and in the conference, but the Mac stinks this season. Why do you say that? I feel like, la- I feel like last season, when we, well, I mean, not just not that they stink, but I feel like last season when we were checking in on the standings and everything like that, uh, a lot of these Mac teams had like winning records, right? And now it's, I think the best teams in the Mac are 3-2. Yeah, but it's, two, it's two early in the season. Like, the MAC is not a Power 5 conference, so they just get slaughtered their first two weeks by Big 10 and Power 5 teams that want to play them. Miami of Ohio, UB beat Miami of Ohio last weekend. They beat Northwestern the week before. So I think the sure. MAC is hanging no, in there That's right true. Now. They're, they're doing what they can. That's true to some extent, but just like UB, I mean, they got teams like Holy Cross that they're playing. I think when we were at UB, didn't they play Stony yeah. Brook or something? That's <laughs> like, what they do. I mean, yeah, you could say it either way. They certainly go to these big places and get stomped, but they also play like absolute. Yeah, I'm worried about the fact that UB lost to Holy Cross, but 
All you got to do is win yeah. the win the yeah. Mac. That's it. You don't have to. Thank goodness UB doesn't have to play in FBS or what is it? FCS, FBS? I don't know. Division 1A, whatever. Um, because they wouldn't be able to hack it against teams like Holy Cross for a full season. But we can do it in the Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, FCS, Division One AA, I believe it is, yeah, right? I don't know, man. They change the rules every year. I just can't wait till this video game comes out. <laughs> N- NCAA oh, football. Awesome. And I'll finally relearn all the teams. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And they're massive. All right. We've gotten really All right. Well, yeah <laughs> yeah no bill so thank you to our thank you to our listeners as always keep coming with those nice answers to uh Phineas's question of the week and yeah go bills mm-hmm.